It's Film Friday, and we're getting wet today with Eric Northman, the Northman. Well, I guess it's the. Hello to all you cinephiles, film nerds, and movie aficionados, and welcome to Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. I am Jay Starks, the host of this lovely movie review podcast. Um, welcome back, guys. This is episode three. So, yeah, let's um get into it. Uh, just to give you a little breakdown of what's going to happen here. This is the pre-production segment, like I, as I like to call it. So I will be giving you some factoids about our particular feature for today give that breakdown then I also want to kind of give my gut up reaction opinions on what I am assuming I may be watching and getting my getting into for this particular one I have not seen a trailer but sometimes I do watch the trailers but I do not have any spoilers I have not read anything about this um, particular film outside of the log line okay so for this segment, I'll make sure to give you a breakdown of some of the top cast and crew log line of the film when it came out, general information that you can just find yourself. OK, then I go and watch the film because, of course, that's important to do a review for it. Right. After the film is watched, I immediately, immediately unscripted, just start recording again and basically break down the film as much as I can within you know, give or take 30, 45 minutes, you know, who's counting. But uh, I do try to break down the different segments of the film. So acting, we're talking production design, design, sound design, costumes, writing, what have you. And then at the end of it, I'll give a wrap up on what I thought of the film. And then I'll give a rating. I still haven't quite nailed down a rating. So that might change. So just, you know, you know, stick with me as I I don't want to say fumble. That sounds like a horrible word. But as I mold what this is, this is the beginnings, guys, the beginnings. You're here with me. And I thank you for that. So with that being said, as you can tell from the title, we are reviewing Infinity Pool. All righty. Not, you know, not like Deadpool, like the Marvel thing is the complete opposite of that. OK, so let's give you a little quick breakdown on um Infinity Pool. So Infinity Pool, this was uh, released in 2023, 117 minutes. It is rated horror, horror. OK, it's a crime horror mystery is what they're, they're calling it. So let's go ahead. Uh, I'm going to drop the log line and let's get into some of the cast and crew and then we'll get started. OK, so Infinity Pool was directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg. And if you're thinking to yourself, Cronenberg. Cronenberg, why does that name sound familiar? It's because he is the son of the David Cronenberg. Now, there are people out there that, you know, love his work. There are people out there that don't like his work or some who may not be quite familiar with it. I'm of the middle ground. From the stuff that I've seen, I wouldn't say he's my necessarily favorite, but I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just, you know, subjective, my opinion. But I will say Mr. David Cronenberg directed two of some of my favorite films, like legit. 
uh, when I worked at a movie theater back in the day, <laughs> in my day, uh, a film called A History of Violence came out in 2005. Let me tell you, if you've not seen A History of Violence, whoa, it's starring uh, Vigo Mortensen. It is, man, it is such, such a good film. Do yourself a favor. Go watch uh, History of Violence. Unfortunately, I can't cover it on here because I've already seen it. Remember, all of these films are first to watch, first opinions. Okay, so History of Violence, Viggo Mortensen starring in that. Dave Cronenberg directed it. It is amazing. He didn't write it. He just directed that one. The second one uh, that I do like, it's my, you know, I guess it would be my second favorite in the list of Cronenberg films, David Cronenberg films, would be Eastern Promises that also starred Viggo Mortensen. There's a scene in there with the fight there's just a lot happening and i was what i didn't know what yeah eastern promises is made vigo mortison is just a fantastic actor man just fantastic so much like strength and dexterity in his performances you know what i mean like i oh anyway so david cronenberg history of violence go watch eastern promises watch it as well too that is the father of Mr. Brandon Cronenberg. Now, I got to be honest, I have not seen anything from Mr. Brandon Cronenberg, the son. I uh, one of the films that people I have my friends have told me to watch Possessor. OK, P-O-S-S-E-S-S-O-R. It's a 2020 film is a horror mystery sci fi that he wrote and directed as well. I've had people tell me to go watch it. They haven't told me. I haven't heard or like if they love it, if they think it's the best thing, they're like, you you need to watch this. So you might hear, you know, a, a future episode with Professor Honor. You know, you know, I might make that part of my Halloween month, whatever I'm going to call that when I. So that might be my Halloween month. We'll see. Anywho, Mr. Brandon Cronenberg also wrote in direct Possessor. So. Hey, if you like that one, then you might like Infinity Pool. It looks like he's starring Mr. Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth, 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 sorry, and Cleopatra Coleman. Now, Mr. Alexander Skarsgård, in case that name rings a bell, uh, was of the, I guess, the most, one of the more famous things he did, so to speak, was True Blood, where he played Eric Northman. Yeah, he was the tall blonde um vampire so eric northman coincidentally enough he also played in a movie called the north man i think it's called the north man yeah the north man which is hilarious now that i think about it that movie was fantastic that oh, yeah the north man is great great you should go watch it okay but he was in true blood the north man and he also did the 2016's live action version of the legend of Tarzan. So that's Mr. Alexander Skarsgård. Alrighty. So he's one of the leads in here. Miss Mia Goth is in here. And to be completely honest, I've heard her name, but I'm not super familiar with a lot of her work. Uh, I, it looks as though she was in this movie called Suspiria, which I has been on my list. I haven't watched it yet. I know I'm horrible. And she was also an ex which I heard she did an amazing job. X was an A24 film, and A24 always does fantastic things. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that was really good. 
and I think and Pearl as well, which I actually think she produced and and wrote. So she's in there, and <laughs> sorry. And last but not least, Miss Cleopatra Coleman. These are our three top builds so far. Okay, now Miss Cleopatra Coleman was in Dope Sick. So if you've if that name rings a bell, that's probably why. I haven't seen a lot of things that she's done personally, but dope sick. She's in there. So yeah, we're going to get ready to get geared up to watch this. I I don't know what my opinion is, my my pre-segment, pre-production segment opinion, because I haven't watched a trailer to this film. I am aware of what Mr. David Cronenberg brings to the table. And as I mentioned before, I haven't really watched anything from Mr. Brandon Cronenberg. But if that apple didn't fall far from the tree, if that apple is sitting right at the base of this tree near the near the roots, then I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm I should be expecting something interesting, maybe a little uh, I don't want to say otherworldly, but and not necessarily psychedelic, but ah, man, um unique maybe bizarre is that is the word that i'm looking for but i don't even want to say that either because i think bizarre is the wrong word for it i think very i think unique i think that's what it's going to be i'm sticking to it i'm i i plan to have a unique experience that i hope that i will enjoy i haven't seen many things that mr alexander skarsgård has done that i haven't liked so anyway that's my um opening segment let's see i'll go ahead and give it a watch you guys uh stick stay tuned hopefully you've already watched it or watching it with me and pause it now watch it and then come back to it whichever way i don't want to tell you how to live your life okay i don't want to tell you how to ingest this experience but i'm happy that you're here doing it with me so uh, we're going to go ahead take a little uh we're going to take a little break that's coming up and then after that break, we'll come back with our breakdown of Infinity Pool. Hey, folks, I just wanted to uh, say thank you if you are listening to this. And this is episode three. As I mentioned in the trailer in the pilot, I am learning this as I go, but I'm having fun and I hope you guys are sticking around with me if so i greatly appreciate it so uh thank you like seriously thank you i i thoroughly enjoy films and talking about them so thank you guys for sticking around with me just a little heads up next week we have a comedy that's right we're going to switch it up guys next week we're going to be reviewing the outlaws as seen on netflix but yeah, it should be a fun one. That would be the first comedy. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm getting pretty excited about it. Hopefully you guys are tuning in next week. Thank you guys for your support. I greatly appreciate it. And hopefully these episodes continue to get better as I learn and grow. So thank you guys for sticking with me. Here's the rest of the show. Enjoy, folks. Welcome back, folks. 
<laughs> um, welcome back to uh, the second segment, our post-production segment, as we call it here at Flicks and Scripts. Um, this is uh, now the time that we do our post-film breakdown. I literally just stopped watching it not even five minutes ago. Just had to get everything set up as far as um, recording. Wow. Infinity Pool, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, um, I, I feel, I, I feel as though this is one of those films that, a couple things, number one, may require a rewatch, and not in the, in the, in the vein of, oh, did I miss anything? But a rewatch to appreciate, to possibly, should I say, appreciate what I just experienced. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, but I also feel as though this would have definitely capitalized off of... Um, off of having a, an additional person, <laughs> additional person to bounce back. Yeah, um, this is. I would, I would, I would categorize this film in that weird category. You know, if that makes sense. Where it's, I guess it probably doesn't. Maybe I should expand a little bit. Um, the type of film where you don't necessarily rave and run and go tell everybody i watched this go watch this you know what i mean but to the point of okay what did i just watch let me ingest it you know if that makes if that if if that clarified a little bit not what did what did i just watch but what did i just watch but it was and i mean that once again in a very positive way i mean more so in the vein of what story is the director, the writer and director, being Mr. Cronenberg, the son, um, what was he trying to accomplish with the film is what I'm intrigued about. So that's what I mean when I say uh, a rewatch or unique. One of those films was like, okay, that just happened. What were they trying to say? You know, and I mean, I get it. A lot, all, a lot of films or not every film, should I say, has to have a specified purpose or or message that they're trying to send but often especially since this is not necessarily a popcorn film you know summer blockbuster then i think there is more to it um so infinity pool had it was it was unique in the vein of it had thriller aspects akin to uh oh man i just watched the film not too long ago and had Justin Long in it. Um man, what was that horror film name? It's gonna it's gonna it is going to eat me alive, like trying to figure out what this the name of this film is with Justin Long. But it was in the vein of that film where it was another horror film and essentially it started off in one direction and then quickly changed over to another and it was um what is it called what's it called 
Oh, Barbarian. Barbarian. If you ever see, if you've seen that movie, that movie is great. But it's also one of those movies. Whereas, okay, what am I trying? What is? What am I learning from this? Or what is the, the point? Why did you want to make this film? If that makes sense. So yeah, that's kind of sort of my overall thing of intrigue that I really am curious about is why once again I go into these fresh so I haven't heard any interviews I haven't read anything about it which I probably will after this podcast after I record this episode just to kind of see why you know um yeah either hopefully from Mr. Cronenberg himself or Mr. Skarsgård or Miss Goth whatever Goth uh, so yeah, that's my, um, my take. I would be interested to, I am super interested in what they were trying to say or wanted to say, you know, it's one of, it, I, it, it has the feel of one of those indie, um, like story forward. I don't want to say progressive cause that might be the wrong use of words, but imaginative creative kind of thing. But also I feel as though it sometimes with the way they shot it and yes we're going to go ahead and get down to the breakdown now from a cinematography standpoint the way it was shot i felt had bits and pieces or, or qualities of experimental type filming you know there was some moments in the film where alex Skarsgård, james uh his character was on a hallucinogenic uh, drug, essentially. And those scenes were interestingly shot. I kind of sort of, I'm probably going to look up and try to find out how they shot those. Um, so, like in the indie film world, there's a, what what is it? Is it called lens whipping? I believe it is when you remove the the lens from the body of the camera, if it's a small enough camera, and you kind of, tilt it occasionally and randomly and what it does is it allows little bits of light to hit I think it's whipping anyway to hit the sensor and it gives you the this almost psychedelic otherworldly kind of feel you know um lens whipping I think is what it's called <laughs> anyway but I'm sure they weren't doing anything like that so I will be super interested in how they performed some of those, um, some of the cinematographer, the hallucinogenic area. That was really cool to me where it was, there was nudity. This is rated R, uh, but it wasn't, I feel as though those scenes, like I'm not a big, big person on nudity period. I don't, I'm not a person. I I feel that there are some movies that you need it, but then also I feel as though there's a lot of movies that use it and just put it in there for no reason and doesn't necessarily help that story. You know what I mean? I do want to say that I believe it was used in this story effectively. The the James character being on this kind of debaucherous um, Dionysus kind of you know, dancing in the woods with the nymphs kind of uh, feel and vibe to it. You know what I mean? So the nudity, I understood that there, you know, again, 
you know, they were on hallucinogenics and they're drinking and hooping and hollering and is the whole thing. But the so yeah, I feel as though the nudity was well done and they utilize it instead of it being just about the sex. It was about the trip, the visual trip that he was on, even so much so that some of the characters, what I really liked about it is how it started initially. You had these psychedelic colors and feelings and um, movement of the camera, doubling and superimposing of pictures and things of that nature. And then over the course of the scene, the sequence, the characters, the uh, face of the actors from from the way they shot it seemed to morph almost into these monstrous um, looking figures. You know, what I thought was cool about that was that they actually used these masks that were introduced very early in the film. I think it was like after the Dutch angle 360 comps that they did. One of the first uh, images or static image, so, was, so to speak, was of this creepy mask, which are well done. They're just beautiful. They're unnerving, creepy, and I don't even, like, the reason I love the mask, sorry, I'm taking a side here, is because I don't really know what material it's made out of. It has almost a fleshy appearance, but it's also not, and it's disfigured. I was immediately freaked out when I saw it, which was the point of this. And then, anyway... They use those same masks later on for the hallucinogenic intimate dance party. That's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it a dance party. But um, so I thought that was very well done. And I'm interested in how they uh, did that. And more importantly, like if all that was post, how long did it take? <laughs> how long did it take to render that sequence? Anyway, so, yeah, from a cinematography standpoint, I feel as though it was well done it served the story there were no flashy movements everything was nice and steady but I do or did at least in my opinion find that they were they often utilized a lot of negative space on some of the shots some of the more uh, should I say emotional shots or the shots where the, the character James, where I feel as though he is put on a spotlight and made to feel like a fish out of water. I feel as though they utilized a lot of camera angles where they will put him in a lower third uh, and there's no leading space. So all the negative spaces behind him, boxing him in to that corner. And I thought that was cool especially in the beginning and they even I believe there was a scene in the hotel they had him the there was so much overhead space to the point they were utilizing just the lower thirds so I feel as though that to me at least watching it it accomplished the fish out of water um small fish big ass pond type of feel you know so I thought that was pretty unique and well done um so yeah that was kind of cool Let's see uh, more from the match. So, yeah, as far as, um, man, I just want to say Alex Garsgård is one of my favorite actors. And I say that because 
I feel as though either A, he's drawn to these character types because it's who he is, or he's drawn to him because it's the opposite, or whichever. I, I don't really, of course, I don't know him in person, but I feel as though he's always attracted to these almost silent characters where he doesn't do a lot of monologuing. Um, I mean, True Blood, but I mean, in True Blood, there was a lot of just scowling, you know what I mean? But he's, I don't feel as though the characters talk a lot comparative to his actual screen time. I feel like there's a lot of just him looking. And I love it because he always seems to have this tormented something is brewing underneath the surface of his face and eyes. He has this level of intensity where he, he doesn't scowl his face. He doesn't frown. It's just everything is right underneath the surface in every film I've seen him do or any project that I've seen him do. And I love that because I feel as though it's intriguing. You know, it's, it's keeping you guessing. Is he about to snap? Is he about to flip out? I Now, there are moments where, like in this one, he had his visceral moments and... He also did a little bit of it in The Northman as well, too, where it's this animalistic grunt, growl, visceral, like, I'm going to fucking tear some shit up kind of look and feel and scream. And I feel as though I don't know another actor that can do that off the top of my head. As well as he does it. Like I never feel as though it's forced. I never feel as though he's trying. I feel as though there's this like. I don't know. <laughs> this trauma that he's pulling from. Or something. Or he just puts himself that well into this, the headspace. Where these characters he plays. When when they do have an explosive um, moment. It, it never feels like anger. It's deeper than that. It's stronger. It's, you know, yeah. I don't know what that word is, but I love it when he does it. And he's one of the best, in my opinion, that does it. It's kind of like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. does the creative gaze out into the world as he's contemplating whatever. No one does better than Robert Downey Jr. I don't think anybody off the top of my head can do that visceral anger, whatever it's called, better than Alex Skarsgård, in my opinion. I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, love it. Another thing, man, that I absolutely love about Alex, um, Mr. Skarsgård is, I don't know how tall he is. I don't know. Um, man, let me, let me look this up while I'm explaining this. So Mr. Alex Skarsgård has this tendency in a lot of his projects to utilize his height. And what I mean by that is I, he can somehow, no matter how tall he is, however tall he is can scrunch his up this thing said this man is six four six four ladies and gentlemen that is crazy um but but 100 believable but um he just has this ability to morph his body almost into the points where it looks as though not disfigured because that's the wrong word that I want to use but 64 and he can some he can shrink his body you know and even in um in this one he shrunk himself a lot of times making himself appear smaller like when he got out of the bus I mean he's 64 guy 
So you got to make sure you don't appear to uh, when Mia Goth's character was like threatening to kill people. Come out of the bus. You know, of course, you know, you don't want to stand six four with your hands up in the air. Now, it probably could have been done like that. But the way he chose it, he demunitized. Is that the right word? Demun- he became diminutive with his height in his performance. And I love it when he does it. He always does that. In the Northman, I know I'm not, not I keep bringing Northman. It was great, by the way. The Northman, he packed on the pounds and worked out like he was like chiseled. And, but even though he was, you know, a big baddie and was chiseled and worked out a lot, et cetera, et cetera, 6'4, during the Northman, he, he hardly ever stood upright. He had this menacing hunch if that makes sense anybody who's seen north man if you haven't watched it go watch it but it's the same director who did the lighthouse love anyway um and the witch Ooh, that director is so good so good but uh so but he had this menacing hunch that made it almost appear as though he was even taller of course that was with camera shots you know if that makes sense anyway so I love the way he utilizes his um his body and that that tension that's always underneath his face and eyes is freaking awesome. Mia Goth, um I I have not seen a lot of films with her. I was entertained, and I would be interested to see some more stuff that she does. Uh, her I feel as though her character was believable. She's very deceiving. I love the almost switch. I feel as though she had three different characters in this. She had the, oh, what is her name in this? Gabby? 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 Gabby or Gabby. I can't remember. G-A-B-I. But her character in here in the first time when you first when she first met Alex, she was this first character, this, this facade that she was putting on, that she was, you know, just a vacation person, blah, blah, blah. And then she slowly descends into this, ugliness or should I say she peels back the layers of her real self to reveal her true or should I say excuse me sorry she peels back the layers of her fake facade to reveal her true self towards the end of the film like that to me I believe is the true Gabby 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 you know what I mean and then at the end of the film when she's going back to LA she was putting on yet a different face this is her I'm in civilization, civilized space. So I feel as though she had three characters. And what I think is interesting about that and Albin uh, and the other debaucherous people of the island um, was that at times when they were pulling off these not evil, bad, evil, kind of evil, fucked up. When they were pulling off those things, they will often wear these little masks. They, the, the, there's another callback to the mask from the beginning. So it's interesting that they would put these masks on, do these crimes, do these debaucherous things and these mm, things you probably shouldn't be doing, wearing these masks, right? Then the characters would get caught. A double would be made. That double, in parentheses, would be murdered and then they just go back and do another thing wearing a mask but what's crazy to me not crazy what's interesting what i love about this is 
what I find intriguing is that all of these the what a the resort visitors, the vacation people, right? They will wear these masks, even though they will always get caught or the authorities knew who was doing it. So why wear the mask? You know, and I feel as though all of these people are always wearing masks other than at the end, like that's their true selves and they wear the mask doing the crime for no reason other than to play. You know what I mean? And even the mask they had in the beginning, the mask that they have in the civilized world is a story about masks. Not a story, literally, but it's interesting that they all choose to wear masks to hide from their true selves. Like, when they go on this vacation, they can be who they really are. And other than that, they're all playing. And I think that's a very intriguing kind of element. And maybe that in itself is a story. Is it a story? Now that I'm talking about it, is it a story in a film about the masks that we all wear out in society? You know, because no matter what, no, you may not be doing, you know, hallucinogenic drugs and shooting people and et cetera, et cetera. But we all do, you know, whoever you are as a person, when you go to work, you're a different person. When you're with your friends, you're a different person. When you're, when you're with your significant other, you're with a different person. When you're, when you're with your family, we're always, we're all always wearing masks. And perhaps that is what this film is about. You know, I don't know. And then also with that being said, which self is your true self? You know, and I think the film tried to tap on tap into that as well, because after that first, you know, um, double when Alex character goes into the red goop or whatever, and they make a quote unquote double of him. The first thing I thought was. How do you know, you know, they made the double and then the little kid came and stabbed the shit out of his character um, to re to avenge his father. But while I'm watching this, I'm like, hmm, how we know that's not the real James that died the first time and that this is a duplicate. So then once again, like it comes into this duplicitous kind of uh, personalities and, and mask wearing and, you know, anyway. So, yeah, that was my first thought. So I don't know. You tell me. What do y'all think? Y'all think that uh, the originals are all dead? And the doubles are living their life. I don't know. It's also crazy to me that this uh, quote unquote, I don't want to say backwards country, but they make it seem as though it's like almost a third world country with the exception of this one resort kind of deal. You know what I mean? Not third, world, but you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying they're not first world, but then they have the technology and ability to do that. And it, it might have been something that I missed, but I'm like, these people. Y'all had the game with some other stuff. Y'all just a bunch of rich people that y'all y'all could make a killing. But I guess they do. If they just keep letting people do it. I don't know. That's the weird part. That's interesting. Um, as far as production design, loved it. Uh, I like I already touched on the mask already a little bit. And what was also cool was that all of this stuff um <laughs> was happening in this beautiful resort yes it was quote unquote like ugly so to speak or you know uncivilized outside of the resort or at least that's what they tried to make it appear 
So the resort is nice and pristine and and clean. And then you have all these people doing these ugly, dirty, nasty things within the resort. Interesting. I thought it was a nice, uh, like, what's that word? I think it played well in opposition of one another, you know? So that was cool. I definitely like that. Um, as far as overall, like, the, the more I'm talking about this film right now, the more I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm liking it, you know, and that's, that's part of the, the important part of doing this particular post segment immediately after watching. I think it's kind of cool because it allows you to live in the world of the film that you just experienced. And had I not needed to record this episode, there's a good chance I would have just turned on, turned the TV to something else or watched something else or, you, you know, distracted myself some other way. But as a result of me doing this, I'm able to really let it sink in. And I, I'm just going to, I think, I think that's what I'm going to, let, let's just say that. I think with the whole mask and duplicitous nature and of us hiding, you know, id, ego, super ego, the whole psychological thing. I was a psych major before I became um, a filmmaker, go figure, an actor. Um, but yeah, I feel as though that's what this was representing now. Now, what's interesting to me is that his character went back there. And I'm wondering, this is after he tried to carry three vases of ashes, and I'm kind of like, mm, you're not taking that through customs, sir. But whatever. Uh, like, who are you? What do you? What do you say to the custom agent if you roll it with three vases, vases full of ashes? What? Also, where are you going to put these? In your garage? On your mantle? I don't understand what you're doing. These three. You just got to bury that shit and act like it never happened. Whatever. I highly doubt if everybody else brought back all of their um, urns of themselves. Anywho, <laughs> um, anywho, uh, he went back and it seems as though the resort, wherever they're at, pretty much closes down during the rainy season. Right. So he goes back. And he's just kind of sitting there. And it makes me wonder. Two things. This resort. Was this resort. specifically set up like does everybody in this resort do this shit and then this is how the country funds itself or you know the people pad their pockets or whatever or is it just oh here's a resort yeah we, we can host 200 people and there's like 10 people that cause a bunch of craziness that happens you know that's an interesting question about i might be thinking too far ahead but anyway so that's the first question. Second question would be Alex's character, James. He goes back and he essentially just sits there. And are we supposed to believe that he's going to be there for a whole year? No, not necessarily. But I think the idea behind it is that he can't go back to the life he once had. Not like everyone else. And I wonder, because he was a author 
and so he made he did the first book because of his girlfriend probably had a little hookup you know what i mean because of his excuse me not girlfriend it's because of his wife's dad so his father-in-law and then he was having writer's block so he came here for the right to help solve the writer's block right but he never really solved that and then mia galt's character gabby gabby what went into a review that was printed about said book which the way they decimated the book i'm there's probably a couple other reviews that are just as bad that he is aware of or have read and that might be part of his writer's block so i guess the question is then does he feel like a fake you know if he was trying to be a writer this whole time he does the book and it gets published and it's like shitted on the entire time does that make you feel like that is that did that make his character feel like a fake and then especially because he doesn't have he doesn't have an idea for a follow-up sophomore album so this whole vacation was almost a shedding of this visage that he tried to put on that he was trying to be a part of you know it also makes you wonder did he marry the girl because of her dad? Like, at what point in time did he find out about her dad? And was that part of the, um, you know, the reasons why? Like, okay, cool. Because at the beginning of the show, they didn't seem very close or connected at the beginning of the film. So does that play into it? Either way, I feel as though he re recognizes now that he can't go back to the way he was i'm sure he'll probably leave that island but i don't think he's going to go back to her i don't think he's going to go back and try to be a writer i think that part of his life is over with i also feel as though perhaps he feels a sense of freedom of the weight of trying to write that second book of the weight of like he even mentioned that oh we've been together for 10 years so has that relationship run its course and he's just been in it because she helped him with the first book and because of the 10 years. So now, you know, so is it a thing of freedom that he's experiencing now? It's all crazy good questions that really makes me, like I said, initially I was like, ah, about the movie. But now that I'm, like I said, I'm talking about it, man, yeah, I enjoyed it. It really makes you think. I'm going to look up some stuff about this film, though, to see what uh, what the director wanted to say and what the actress had to say about it. Anywho, uh, let's say to wrap this up. Yes, you should watch it. You should definitely watch it. And I will be interested in what other people think of this particular film. You know, maybe we do a revisit of these. I don't know where this where this uh, channel might go. We might do a redo or whatever and have somebody with their first experience why I talk about it from my second experience. I don't know. Right now, it's just all first. But thank you guys for watching it. I would say out of 10, I would give this a solid 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. You should watch Infinity Pool. Uh, right now, it's on Hulu, starring Alex Skarsgård, Mia Wolf. Sorry, not Mia Wolf. Mia Goth. And written and directed by Mr. David Cronenberg. So 
that's my time, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Make sure that uh, you go ahead, hit that five stars if you don't mind. You know, I greatly appreciate it. Follow, share, tell your friends. And if you have any suggestions whatsoever, just go ahead and um, email me, all right? Let me know. I will be interested in what your thoughts are. So my email can be found in the outro. Thank you so much, guys. I greatly appreciate it. And tune in next week, and we will get another first watch with a fresh take. Thank you so much. This is Jay Starks with Flips. Not Flips. <laughs> We're leaving that in there, by the way. Leaving it in there. We're not taking it out. This is Jay Starks with Flicks and Scripts. Thank you, guys. I'll see you all next week. Y'all have a good one.